Let's get into the word here this morning. Let's go to First uh, John, First John, chapter two. The book of First John, the second chapter. Father, we're so thankful today for your word, thankful for the spirit of God, thankful for the life of God that works in us, and thankful for every good thing that is happening in our lives and in our midst. Lord, speak to us now by your spirit. We receive, we open our hearts wide to receive all that you want to put inside. And Lord, by your grace, which is sufficient, we will run our race and we'll finish with joy and we'll walk in the victory that's ours through Christ. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First John, First John chapter 2, verse 6, 2, 6. It reads, he who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. How should we walk? Just as he, he being Jesus, just as he walked, that's how we're supposed to walk. Well, if we say we abide in him. All right. Well, what if we don't walk as he walked? I would guess we probably shouldn't say that we abide in Him, right? Wouldn't that be a natural, uh, natural conclusion from this? If we're not going to walk like Him, we shouldn't say that we are or say that we abide in Him. Or we might just use the phrase, you know, terminology, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, I'm a child of God, I, I'm, I'm saved. He said, if you're not going to walk that way, don't talk that way. But if you're going to talk that way, walk that way. If you're going to say that you belong to him, you ought to walk just like he walked. Praise God. Everybody with me so far today? All right. Am I on? Okay. And then look at Colossians. Colossians, left turn. Colossians chapter 1. And in this book here, there's a prayer. In the middle of this prayer is verse 10. And verse 10 says that you, this is a prayer now again, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Everybody say walk worthy. Fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. We are to walk a certain way. The Bible says we are to walk worthy of the Lord. So we started a series now last week called Walk This Way. And we're discussing not only what we've received from the Lord, not only what belongs to us in Christ, and not only uh, those things given to us, but the appropriate response to what we have received is that we walk a certain way, and we all need to be trained. So we're having walking school today. We're, gonna, we're learning how to walk. God forbid any of us go out of here with a severe angle at our, you know, or, a, or a limp. But, but likewise, just like someone who might be very, very young, like r- real young, <laughs> real young, they can't walk yet, or someone who's been injured or something can't walk. Likewise, it's true that many people have been serving the Lord, and they've either not yet learned, they've either not been a believer long enough to learn how to walk, and so we're going to help you. Or they've been a believer a long time, and that's what's real sad, and they still limp. Spiritually now, their, their walk is still messed up. And so we want to have a clear vision 
a clear perspective of what it really means to walk with the Lord and walk for the Lord and walk the way that he walked. All right. Now, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter four, go over there. Ephesians chapter four and verse one. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. How are we to walk? Worthy. Notice, walk worthy. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so we shared with you last time about this truth, that a worthy walk is a walk that is unifying it is a walk that supports the unity of the spirits okay the enemy will work night and day against us and toward our lives to bring division to bring backbiting to bring to for people just to focus on and magnify things that they don't like and live in that world of negativism and 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 complaining and 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 that type of thing but we're going to resist that because that's not a worthy walk when someone lives and they're just, they think it's their gift to find out what's wrong with everyone else, that walk in the Spirit, I mean, it's, it's really off. If we could see in the Spirit, you do not walk upright. <laughs> you do not walk straight. And we want to get that kind of stuff straightened up. Amen. Amen. And you just have a lot more success. You're, you just travel a lot better. <laughs> you know, those who really in the natural have their, their, their walk down, or you might say their run, you know, their in track meets and they run and many of them can go very fast they're highly skilled in that area well if you have a limp you're never going to go that fast right and likewise it's true spiritually that when we have things out of whack it's not that the lord loves us less it's not that we're less his child by any means but it will hinder our efficiency it will hinder our ability to to get somewhere and to get things done in life i was thinking about the the uh, the psalmist in the 133rd Psalm, remember the Bible says there, it talks about how the oil running off of Aaron's beard and, and basically the scripture starts out there. It says how good and precious it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. This is something that God considers to be very precious. Just like he hates, hates, H-A-T-E-S, hates the guy who sows discord among brethren he loves and takes pleasure in unity when people support each other and we stand for one single purpose and go the same direction amen bible even says that there he will command his blessing oh yeah you want the blessing of god come on let's let's walk together and that's where the blessing of god exists amen and so uh this verse of scripture here which we shared with you talking about how a worthy walk is most certainly one that has the unity of the spirit how does one get to what else would define a worthy walk well even prior to just jumping to the unity factor we must understand that there is a method to get to that and that's the words used right there notice he said with lowliness lowliness we're to live a lowly life now what does lowly mean lowly means humble it's it's a it's a life of humility what does that mean it just simply means that we see things clearly we see things in reality in accordance with truth a proud person is a deceived person all right they're they're blinded they're they're clouded they don't see the way things really are they 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 think of themselves more highly than they ought to a humble person sees reality 
they see things clearly. If I'm going to have a, a good walk, I've got to have a, a real walk. I've got to be the real thing with the Lord, with others, and stop this fake and phoniness. Stop thinking I'm so special. I mean, I'm special to the Lord, but I mean more than I ought to. Everybody understand where I'm going? It's a humble walk. He also said gentle. Gentleness is, is unselfishness. It's mildness. How many understand we can be bold and strong and have a backbone, not back down, but also be gentle at the same time? I mean, you can have a, have a, a holy boldness and a, even a righteous anger at times. You can want to kick the devil in the, in the face <laughs> and at the same time be gentle with people. And be kind, like Jesus, who withstood the religious leaders of his day, but was also very kind and held children and ministered to people who were in, in trouble and, and those who had fallen in sin. He was gentle and strong at the same time. A worthy walk is a, is a gentle walk. We've got to be gentle with each other. Come on now. And uh, the, the scripture said there, long-suffering. Long-suffering, that means patience endurance it means constancy it means steadfastness this is definitely characteristic of a person who's got a worthy walk is they are consistent they're constant they're not up one day and down the next day they're not in and out and up and down and happy one day and walk you got to walk on eggshells around them the next day no they've learned this thing called long suffering and 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 they're uh, they're patient and they stay the same day after day and week after week let these things be established in us again this describes a worthy walk and this is key to one walking in unity with other people all right. If I don't have this established, I'm going to be quickly annoyed with a lot of people. Come on now. And doesn't mean uh, that, that when you really get everything down that you like everything about everyone. There's always, we're all personalities. <laughs> you know, we all have preferences and likes and dislikes. I don't think that's necessarily going to go away. But the mature person, the one who's got their walk down, they learn what to let out. They learn what to make a big deal of and what to say, that's nah, nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. But some, sometimes the, 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 the more immature, the one that doesn't have their walk down, is they, they feel almost like an obligation that if they don't like something, they have to tell somebody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, no, not everybody needs to know. <laughs> it's not your call. It's not your gift and your grace in life <laughs> to let everybody know everything wrong about them. I really don't like this about you. Well, I'm not blessed by that. <laughs> Unless you're truly trying to help someone. Hmm. But it's, it might be, a, it might be a, good, a good guideline is to not, uh, not point out people's problems unless, of course, your motive is right and, and unless you also have an answer for them how they can change it. Not just... You know, like the person who maybe something's going wrong in their life and, and the Christian who goes and say, well, you, you just have sin in your life. That's why this is going wrong. Well, thank you. Uh, would you help me and identify what that is? You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, just putting a, just pointing at someone saying there's something wrong with you or this is your problem or, you know, but in a general way, if you can't help someone, stay out of it. Amen. That's bonus 9 a.m. material for all those who need it. I don't know. Uh, but notice he said, bearing with one another in love. Everybody say love. 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 
is the word there, agape. It's the, it's the God kind of love. It's the top shelf, high level love. He said this defines a worthy walk. In fact, if you were to, to study the scriptures, you know the Old Testament is full of laws and commands that they had to live by. It's called the law, Ten Commandments plus hundreds of others. And we're not under that. We study it, but we don't, we, don't, we don't teach the Ten Commandments and that kind of stuff. Jesus replaced those with one. He said, he said, there's one now, and it's called the love of God. Love fulfills every commandment. And, and, and this is what defines and should it, it, it describe the New Testament believer, is the love of God. Now, I'm not talking about love like man thinks about it. I'm not talking about human, natural love. But, um, but the love of God is something very powerful. Look over at, one, uh, at chapter 5 there. One page over, you've got a Bible like mine. Ephesians 5 and verse 2. Well, let's read verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Imitate God. Are we, are we supposed to act like God? Yes. If someone says, man, you're just acting like God. You should say, oh, praise God. I've been working on that. Thank you for the compliment. He said, be imitators of God. Now, how can we imitate God? It says in verse 2, and walk in love. If I want to be like God, it doesn't mean I push people around. He doesn't do that. But how can I imitate God? It means I walk in love. If I need to master anything in my life, I need to master my love walk. Well, how how do I do that? How do I walk in love? This gives us the perfect picture of what that looks like. It says, as Christ also has loved us and given himself. Everybody say given himself. As an offering an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. This gives, I think, a perfect definition of the love of God. It is Jesus and what he did for us. Now, obviously, we can't imitate Jesus in this regard. We're not going to the cross for anybody. We can't bear the sins of the world and be the Savior. However, we can emulate that type of love, which is complete self-sacrifice and giving of ourselves to the Lord, to other people. That's the love of God. Now watch. The love that most people talk about in our world, when we say, well, the Bible says we should walk in love. A lot of times people have no hiccups there whatsoever. They they think, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I do that. I I, I love. I'm a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) I'm a lover. But I think so often our understanding of love is far removed from that verse right there. It's far removed from the revelation of God and what he says a love walk really really looks like. People often do the exact opposite. Not like kind of, not like a little bit off, like, hey, you're off like 10, 20 degrees here. But 180, and they call it this. They live exactly opposite of what the love of God is and call it love. I mean, that's quite a shame. It really is. And, and, and if you're concerned that maybe that's you, I think that's why we're here today. So we make sure that we're walking forward. <laughs> and uh, man, what's all that stuff? <laughs> we're going the right way, and we understand what this means. Praise God. Now, again, there's a vast difference in what most people call love and what God calls love. I think that... Uh, that many times when people use the language, I love you, 
what they mean by that is not what they're saying. If it could come through clearly and accurately what, a, what many people mean when they say, I love you, it, they, it would actually come out like this, okay? They might look someone in the eye. They might feel it deep down inside, have a warm fuzzy, and they, they're, they're sincere and they're heartfelt, and they would look at someone, and if it came out accurately, it would be more like this. You know, I, man, I really, really love me. They'd look at people that are special to them in the eye. Maybe they'd grab their hand. And they'd say, you know, I I love me. Because that's how the love of human love, you might call it natural love, really works. It's directly opposite of the love of God. And why do I say it that way? Because people so frequently... When they use the, the words of love, they are talking about how that person makes them feel. They're talking about how that person or what they do that adds to their life. You, when I'm with you, my life is better. I like to be seen with you. I like the way you make me feel. I, I like, and, and, and listen, that's, good. that's okay that someone makes you feel good. Let's just not call that the love of God. Because when Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, it wasn't because He saw our lives and saw our actions and saw everything and we gave Him warm fuzzies. He loved us and gave Himself so that our lives might be better than they are. He saw in us us in a sinful state and said, I am going to sacrifice my own life, my own well-being, my own comfort, my own everything good, so that their life can become better. That's the love of God. And if we really had that heart and we said to people, I love you, that's followed by action. It's followed by, I want to do something. I want to put something in you. I want to lift you. I want to encourage you. I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to make your life better than it is. Not, I like what you do for me. I really love you. Me. (laughs) Amen. And so natural love then is simply a love of self. It focuses on how it feels and it focuses on how others make them feel. If I have feelings for you, I love you. If I don't have feelings for you, I don't love you. Isn't that the way it's defined most of the time? We say I love you. It's what I feel warm and good about you. But that's not the love of God. The love of God can reach out to someone who ticks them off. You do nothing for me, if I were to be honest. You know, you you might be telling someone, you you know, you don't make my life better, but I love you. And I want to lift you. I want to help you. I want to be a blessing to you. See, many times people talk about love just in this regard. It's, It's like something that comes and goes without our control. You know how people fall in love. 
you know, just going along one day, minding my own business, and whoop, I fell in love. And I realize that happens from an emotional standpoint and, and so forth. But the problem is, if that's the only kind of love that exists in a relationship, they're going to fall back out of love, aren't they? And there has to be something else that undergirds and is deeper than that kind of love. It's the love of God. And that kind of love doesn't change because someone doesn't act right. It, it, it's not altered because someone isn't doing their part. It remains constant. It remains steady. And it's just seeking to increase another person's life. It's kind of like in, you know, in, in marriage, me, people are uh, husbands and wives, Christians now, of course, who know the Bible. Ever seen someone use the Bible against somebody else? <laughs> we got to watch out that our knowledge of the word doesn't turn into a sword that we're just, you know, and we're, we're just interested in using it to identify what's wrong about other people and let them know with a scripture. Because <laughs> we want to be spiritual, right? You know, the Bible says you shouldn't do that. <laughs> and that happens in marriages sometimes. Of course, husbands know Ephesians 5.22 very well. <laughs> wives very commonly know uh, the next verse. I, I don't even know it. What is? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, if you when you do a study on marriage, you, you see the scriptures give certain directions to wives and to husbands, and so frequently husbands know the wife verse and wives know the husband verse, right? And they're going to make sure that their spouse knows what they're supposed to do. It's not the goal among friends. To tell them everything they're supposed to do. It's not the goal among church family just to go around telling everybody, you know, the Bible says you need to do this. You know, it's not the goal among families, among husbands and wives. Husbands need to keep telling their wives that their, their place is this, that you need to do this. You need to act this way. Wives, you know, you know don't, it's not their job to say, well, if you do this, then I do this. <laughs> Love me as Christ loved the church. And so forth. If you do this, then I do this. And people have gotten so far away from the true love of God, which is, it's not demanding. It's not requiring someone else to be a certain thing before it will express. No, it's just, I'm going to love you. And if you don't do anything, this kind of love doesn't require it. I mean, this is so far removed from the way we naturally think that, uh, you know, it's, it's a powerful thing, but it's how God loved us. But love, to many people, love is no more than an emotion. And, and the love of God, really, it has its prime opportunity to be shown when you're inconvenienced, when you're treated wrong, when you're neglected, when you have no desire at all to bless somebody. Then, here we go, love of God is on front, front and center and ready to be manifest. But if I feel it for you, you know, well... You know, if I, my, you know, you do something for me and I do something for you. Well, that's not really impressive. People in the world do that. There's nothing wrong with it. Trade favors, you know. You, pat, you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. Nothing wrong with that. That's just not the level of love that God says is a worthy walk and it'll cause you to be unified. It'll cause you to walk together. We have to get to a place where someone does us wrong and we smile anyway. Where someone rips us off or someone neglects or forgets or they don't acknowledge. And, and here we are wanting to serve, wanting to bless, wanting to make their lives better. That's why Jesus said you can even love your enemies. Wow. That's not natural at all. My flesh doesn't want to do that. 
Our flesh wants to knock somebody out at times, right? But the love of God is quite different. Let me, let's look at a couple scriptures here. Everybody good? Uh, let me read to you this one. You don't need to turn here. 2 Timothy 3, because I'm picking apart a couple of verses here. 2 Timothy 3 says in verse 1, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Last days, what kind of times? Perilous. Things are going to get chaotic. Things are going to get bad in the end times. What would characterize those times? A couple things to note is one, is that uh, in verse 2 it says, For men will be lovers of themselves. This characterizes our day. People will love themselves. They will be selfish. Not selfless, selfish. It also says there that they would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So in our day, we need to know this is the standard. This is kind of in the culture that people are going to focus on themselves. They're going to love themselves. They're going to step on other people. They're going to push people out of the way because they've got number one in mind. They're looking out for themselves. And how many know that is one of the quickest ways to depression? That's kind of another message. I have a teaching on this that's like 12 parts. You should listen to it this afternoon. Because <laughs> I'm not going to go in that much detail here today. But, but, but if I could define and I could describe the love of God that makes our walk worthy with one word, the contrasting word would be this selfless that's not the contrasting word selfish (laughs) versus selfless the love of god is selfless and people are naturally in their flesh selfish and if we find ourselves going through our day thinking about ourselves always just not in not being mindful of others needs and what's important to them it's just me 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 i'm looking out for me and i'm taking care of my stuff then we are prime uh, uh, suspects in, in a lack of love life. Our walk is really messed up. Okay? And it characterizes our day. So if we're not dealing with this, it's happening. If you've never identified yourself being selfish, trust me, you are. Your flesh is that way. You know, it's like we come out of the womb that way. We really do. I mean, you, you think about little Susie. Six months old. She doesn't have any problem whatsoever waking up mom and dad in the middle of the night. Messing up her diaper in the middle of the night. It's totally inconvenient for everybody else. Everybody's got to get up and go to work. And and, uh, that's not the thought doesn't even cross her mind. Why? All she knows is me. Me. The world revolves around me. And of course, children have to be trained. That no, you're not the only one. And we have to be trained. There are many adults that are still that way. They still act like the whole world revolves around them. And it's all clamor, clamor, clamor. Give me attention. Take care of my needs. Fix this for me. You weren't thinking of me. You weren't watching out for me. What, what about what I want? Uh, newsflash. There are others. There are others in the world. There are others in the church. There are others in your fam- family. We, the world does not revolve around you. Boy, that's encouraging, isn't it? <laughs> I tell you, it's really God's secret to, to satisfaction and joy in life. It's when we forget about ourselves. How I many know most of your problems go away just like that? If you forget about you and start looking at somebody else. 
Now, here's these scriptures I said we'd look at. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 24. It says, let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. What should we not seek? Our own. But what do we do most of the times in life? We're from the moment we wake up to the moment we put our head on the pillow. It's me, 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 me. It's taking care of what I need and uh, not mindful of others. But that's opposite. This is one of the great changes when you get saved. Is that there's God's love gets deposited on the inside of you. Remember Romans 5 by the Spirit. He gets deposited and now it's trying to get out. Your natural mind and your flesh are still saying, me, 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 take care of me, take care of me. But the love of God inside of you is saying, no, forget about you. Now it's time to be concerned with others. As now it's time to be kingdom minded. Now it's time to have the interests of God in, in your mind more than yourself. All right. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, uh, many know this chapter, 13, look at verse 5. Speaking about and defining love, it says it does not behave rudely and does not seek its own. Does not seek its own. It's not rude and it doesn't seek its own. This is the love of God. This is how we can identify if we're walking crooked. All right. Because again, you can't see this in the natural mirror. Natural mirror, you know, you make sure everything's straight and everything's ready to go and that your walk is straight. And if you're off, you know, people see a chiropractor and <laughs> get straightened up. And, and, uh, and, 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 but if your walk spiritually is off, how do you know that? You have to look in the mirror, yeah. this mirror. You have to look in the Word of God and say, ah, mm, that's much better. That looks like Jesus. Ooh. That looks like how he walked. I'm going to do that for a while. Now, I, I don't know if you've ever... I have a friend who's a chiropractor. and uh, But I know their, uh, their, their basic philosophy. Maybe there's chiropractors in here that I'm not aware of. Uh, but I understand their basic philosophy is when someone gets out of whack in their, in their spine and their neck and, and, and so forth, that they typically, when someone's crooked, that's my layman's terms, I guess, uh, they will adjust and get things back in line and get straightened out. But usually when someone has a problem, they want them to come back like two or three times a week for a month or something like that or sometimes longer. And then after, and they say the reason is your muscles have already, they're used to holding your spine or something in this position. We're going to move it back and then it's going to go back to the way it was, and we're going to move it back. Then it's going to go back to the way it was, the bad way. Then we're going to move it back, and we're going to train it to stay straight so that you can go longer and longer times in between, and before you know it, then your muscles will get used to it being right. I think there's some, there's some truth there in our lives with the Lord. When we start, we see something today, or we get, have a revelation from the Lord, we make an adjustment, but we've been acting like that for like 20 years. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? And so you go out, and unless you get an adjustment again, you'll go back to the way you used to be. That's why so many people make short-term changes. You know, first part of the year they do that. Short-term changes, but in a short period of time, they're back to the way they were. Why? Because they've been that way so long. It's, the way, it's ingrained in their thinking. It's become a stronghold in their mind. What do they need to do? Get, adjust, get another adjustment. Frequently frequently until it becomes the normal way that you live and i tell you what this love walk 
That's definitely something we've got to do. Because unless we fix it and force it into place, selfishness will reign. It will rule. Your heart will scream against it as far as the born-again person. But I'm telling you what, in the mind, you've been trained to think about yourself. And that's not going to give easily. It's going to fight for its right to survive. And it'll mess up your marriage. Man, it'll mess up your friendships. It messes up church relationships. It really does. Amen. So love does not seek its own. And then Philippians 2. Let me give you this one. And we'll say a few more things and begin to wrap up. Philippians 2, in verse 21. Paul said here, now Paul writing from prison. He's in prison for preaching the gospel. He says in verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. Now that's kind of concerning to me. He uses the word all. He said everybody, writing to this group, he said everybody is seeking their own. They're taking care of their own business. They're not focused on the things of the Lord Jesus. They're seeking their own profit, their own goodwill, their own uh, uh, comfort in life. And that's sad. You know, we, we, we come to accept certain phrases and, and things as just being normal. People say, uh, my feelings are hurt. That hurt my feelings. Whose? Well, this will blow you away, but I mean... The love of God doesn't get its feelings hurt because it's not focused on how it feels about what somebody else does. It is only focused on the well-being of the other person. It is only focused on the goodwill and the, and, and the plan and purpose of God. Therefore, it can't be hurt. And I know our minds think, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I know, I know. But this is how powerful, this is why the love of God does not operate in an unregenerate person. They'll always snap back, even if they do a selfish deed, selfless deed, they'll snap back to selfish because it's the nature. But the love of God is, is that way. It's, um, um, you know, people have said to me before, I really have more of a sensitive personality. And I thought about that. I thought, oh, I thought, okay. I remember one time years ago, I, I thought, I'm going to look that up. So I just, sometimes just a straight definition word, uh, a dictionary definition of a word can help. And it said, sensitive, easily damaged, injured, or distressed by slight changes, easily offended or upset. <laughs> I thought, oh, I don't want to be sensitive. <laughs> I realize in context, I want to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and things like that, tender to, to the right thing. But as an overall description, do I want to be a sensitive person? No, I don't. I don't want to be easily damaged. I want to be kind and gentle and loving, but I don't want to be easily damaged because that what does that mean? I'm mindful of me. All I think about is how others impact me, how they hurt me, how they've done me wrong. Many people, they live with that in their mind. Man, our country is going that way. Man, people are rioting today. It's your fault. It's this person's fault. They have money. It's their fault. And it's all poor old me. It's sad. It's ungodly. There's no faith in that whatsoever. I remember hearing... Let me just... I'm running out of time here today. That's what I get when I put my sermon at the end of the message. uh, End of the service. I remember years ago, remember it was the great tragedy of uh, the hurricane in, in New Orleans and Katrina? 
And that was a real bad deal and everything. But I remember being shocked one day when I had the news on. And they, was interviewing, uh, they were interviewing this lady there. And they were asking her, uh, you know, about her needs and was she being taken care of? Did she have something to eat? And she got, she was on TV. It was a live type of thing. And she got on there saying, my food was not even hot. And saying things like that. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You ungrateful. I know your life is tough right now. But people are going out of their way to help you. And your food wasn't the right temperature. And that's what you're focused on. Man, that is the selfishness of our society that we have got to get away from. It, it, it's just, it, it's just not, not of the Lord. Love cannot be easily offended because it is, not, it is not focused on how I feel about what you do. It's a, it's a self-defeating mindset. You know the, the, the old phrase, um, if mama ain't happy, <laughs> ain't nobody happy. <laughs> Ever heard that before? <laughs> how many know just because something's a saying or a phrase doesn't mean it should be your motto? I know people who have taken things like that and said, yeah, and, you know, some mamas. They said, that's a good saying. I like that. In other words, if you don't do what I need, if I, you don't make me happy, your life's going to be miserable. Man, how ungodly is that? That's the, that's, a, that's the perfect picture of selfishness. That's the perfect picture of the way things are not supposed to be. Amen. And so... Uh, the love of God has no strings attached. It expects nothing back in return. It is impossible to feel hurt or let down by the response of its recipients. Amen. You know, in the, in, on the road, it works like this. Get out of my way. I'm in a hurry. Doesn't it? It's not mindful of so is everybody else. It's only thinking about I've got somewhere to go. And so just driving annoyed. Oh, man, I can't believe there's a wreck right now. Can't believe... The goal for them to get in an accident today. <laughs> Not thinking about someone else's life that was just changed or ended. Just me. You know, people get in shopping lines. Man, I'm in a hurry. There's people before them and behind them. Man, why are they taking so long? Yeah, they just want to ruin your life. Or maybe they don't really like it either. But the flesh rises up in times like that, and we forget about everyone else's needs, and it's just, man, i got a schedule. I've got somewhere to get. In church, it kind of works out like, that's my seat. Or why don't they do this for me? Why don't they take care of me? Why, how come they're not uh, catering to my needs like I think they should? Well, it's not all about you. Church should be, among anything, it should be about a bunch of people looking to serve others. Yeah, I think they ought to serve me. <laughs> See, that's where the flesh will rise up. They'll, the flesh will rise up. People will, will get in this mindset of, well, man, people need to serve more. And all they're thinking is they need to serve me. And how many know that's called judging in the Bible? <laughs> Remember that word, judging? And if you judge, you're guilty of the very same thing. You judge, you shall be judged. A lot of that goes on, and, and, and it's, just, it's just the flesh. Amen? There's a lot of this that we can talk about. I think we've said enough for now to stir your hearts. Bear with one another in love. Give people a break. Don't require that everyone be perfect around you. 
that everyone act just right and, and, and be perfect or you're going to, uh, you know, have to put up some opposition, some correction. You're going to take offense or whatever it might be. No, let's, let's bear with one another. We're always going to have to do that because we've got a bunch of imperfect people, right? Amen. Father, we're so thankful today for your goodness and your kindness. Thankful for your love for every single one of us where we've blown it. We thank you there's mercy. There's mercy and forgiveness. Where our walk has been goofed up, Lord, I thank you that by your grace we can straighten up and straighten out. We can run our race and do things right. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you for helping us to emulate and reflect the very life of Jesus and walk as he walked.